Great to see you here, out of lockdown, into the presence of God, no restrictions. Absolutely fantastic. Why don't we just pray now, shall we? Father, we just thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your presence with us, Holy Spirit. Just as we've sung tonight, we just invite you to come and just have your way in our lives, have your way in us, and have your way through us. We just ask in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Well, during lockdown, we had plenty of time. Just turn me down a little bit, please. That would be great. Hey, during lockdown, we had plenty of time to have a look and uh, from a distance uh, just check up and see how the world is faring. Anyone ever go on to worldinfo.com and check up on who's got COVID and who hasn't and what the levels are and all that? Oh, that's a daily occurrence for me. And uh, so I'm following up which countries are doing good and which countries aren't doing good, what's happening. And when you have a look at the world as a whole, I think it can really be summarized by probably the, uh, the opening lines in one of Charles Dickens' novels. Anyone um, read The Tale of Two Cities? Anyone? Yeah. Anyone know what the opening line is? Oh, very good. Now, there's an art teacher with culture. <laughs> yeah, uh, Charles Dickens wrote, it was the best of times, it was the worst of times. It was the age of wisdom, it was the age of foolishness. It was the epoch of belief, it was the epoch of incredulity. It was the season of light, it was the season of darkness. It was the spring of hope, it was the winter of despair. We had everything before us, we had nothing before us. And there's just a huge dichotomy of things going on in the world today. I think if we were to summarize it from a spiritual sp perspective, 2 Timothy 3 verse 1 is a great verse, and it says, but mark this. This is Paul speaking to his protege, Timothy, and he says, but mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, have nothing to do with them. It's just... On one side, you, you go outside and you think, what an amazing world. What a beautiful world we've got. And on the other side, you think, what a terrible world. With war and sickness and death and plagues and suicide and starvation and brutality. And I think this world is far from the world that God first created for us to rule over. If you've been following the science behind COVID-19, and as a scientist, I've taken great interest in, in this, uh, especially as a biotechnologist and the creation of viruses and everything else, um, you might have seen that a number of leading scientists are saying that the virus was man-made, that it was actually produced in the lab in Wuhan. Well, whether that is true or not, the reality is that we have the capability to make viruses like this. And many governments, if they wanted to bring the world to its knees, 
could make and release viruses like COVID-19 or worse. And the scary thing is that in the future, they probably will. That's the reality of it. That's the world that we're living in. There will be worse than what we are experiencing right now. But then on the other side, you read in Habakkuk 2 verse 14, for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. That's God's plan. Isaiah 60 verse 1, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. See, darkness covers the earth. Thick darkness is over the peoples. But the Lord rises upon you, and his glory appears over you. Nations will come to your light, kings to the brightness of your dawn. Wow. Think about it. In the darkest of times, in the worst of times, God's light is going to shine. And while God is shining on us and while he wants to shine through us, we've got to recognize that there is darkness that covers the earth and its people and it blinds their eyes to the truth of the love of God towards them. People don't realize that there is a kingdom of darkness and a kingdom of light. People don't realize that there is a heaven to gain and a hell to shun. They don't realize that there is a kingdom of God and a kingdom of the God of this world. And there is no doubt, people, that if you study the Bible, especially if you study end times, what's the study of end times? Anyone know? Eschatology. A lot of people know what that means, but very few people agree on exactly what is going to happen. But I think the things that uh, we do agree on, in fact, just about every eschatologist agrees on, is that Jesus is coming again, and we've got to be ready. Those are the truths that everybody would agree on. But in the end times, there are difficult times ahead. We're living in a world that's falling apart, a world that has a limited lifespan, and so problems arise. There, we're not in heaven at the moment. We are surrounded by sin, and we're surrounded by the effects of sin. And Satan knows that his days are limited, so he's out to punish as many as possible by as many means as possible, and he will bring havoc on mankind. So how do we respond in situations like this? How can we possibly live in a world like we have today? I think the verses that we had last week are really ones that are pivotal. And that is Ephesians 5.15. It says this, Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, uh, and songs from the Spirit. Seek, sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, it's impossible to live life well in these times without relying on the Holy Spirit, uh, trying to live for God, serving Him in your own strength, 
is confusing, it's exhausting, it's tedious, and it simply doesn't work. And one of the reasons why we should be passionate about the Holy Spirit and His power is because of the tremendous needs that we see round about us. Brokenness, pain, sickness, addictions, mental health. Feelings of worthlessness. We need the power of the Holy Spirit to meet those desperate needs. Jesus came to heal the brokenhearted, to set the captives free, to open prison doors. The oil of joy for mourning, spirit of praise for heaviness. And the interesting thing is that when I look around this room, this afternoon, I see a whole pile of broken people who have been healed by the power of the Holy Spirit and who are set free to be able to love and to be able to bring that same Spirit into other people's lives and effect breakthrough in them. You see, religion can reform you, but the Holy Spirit will transform you. And we need to pursue the Holy Spirit like never before. Now, in Ephesians 5, verses that we've just read, Paul says to the church at Ephesus, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Have you ever thought of why he said that? I question this because in Acts 19, it records Paul's first vision visit to Ephesus and in that visit he asked some of the of the now disciples did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed and they answered no we haven't even heard that there is a Holy Spirit that's a pretty good start isn't it <laughs> and so Paul asked and then then what baptism did you receive and they said uh, John's baptism so on hearing this uh, Paul places his hands on them they are filled with the Holy Spirit and they speak in tongues and prophesy. What a fantastic outcome to that question. Uh, so, so now when Paul writes to the church in Ephesus, he's writing to people that he's already been to. He's writing to people who he's already laid hands on. He's writing to people who have already received the Holy Spirit. And he's encouraging them to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Was this a redundant exhortation? No. When you have a look back and you see the, the original language that this was written in, help me know what the New Testament was written in, which language? Greek. Greek. Yep, very good. So the, the original New Testament was written in Greek, and in the Greek, the verb uh, for be filled with the Holy Spirit is what's called the present continuous tense which means that it could literally be translated as be being filled. Be being filled. Uh, in other words, be continuously filled with the Holy Spirit. So Paul was encouraging the Ephesians and us to be continuously, daily filled and influenced by the Holy Spirit. And this thought is similar to what we talked about last week when we talked about getting to know the, the person of the Holy Spirit daily. 
So Paul is emphasizing that the initial baptism in the Holy Spirit is not a one-off event, but it's the start of a continuous relationship and filling with the Holy Spirit. So the question for all of us is, how can we be filled with the Holy Spirit? The very first time that most of you were filled with the Holy Spirit, it probably came through the laying on of hands. If you read through Acts, you'll find that the majority of people who received the baptism of the Holy Spirit received the baptism as a result of someone who had been baptized in the Holy Spirit laying hands on them and the Holy Spirit falling. But <clears throat> I received the f- filling of the Holy Spirit as a result of my crying out to God. I was... Um, student at Massey University doing a degree in biotechnology. I went to a camp. <clears throat> I cried out to God. I said, God, if you're real, show yourself to me. And the Holy Spirit just fell. And the Holy Spirit healed me, uh, filled me to overflowing. Uh, about uh, a week later, I spoke in tongues, but nobody touched me. Nobody laid hands on me. It was the experience of the disciples, which we read in the beginning of Acts, that they were in the upper room, they were fasting, they were praying, they were seeking God, and the Holy Spirit just fell on them. So the Holy Spirit can come uh, through a multitude of different ways. Uh, some people have been filled with the Holy Spirit in a meeting like this. A lot of people are filled with the Holy Spirit in the quietness of a room at their home, just seeking God and the Holy Spirit responding and falling. So I think most people's initial encountering of the Holy Spirit is probably quite unique to themselves. But ongoing, as we seek to be filled with the Spirit daily, there are a lot of things in common which I want to talk about tonight. And the first of these is you can't be filled with something unless you are empty. So if you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, there has to be an emptiness inside. Our our struggle is that we are full of so much stuff, uh, self and so many other things. Proverbs 27 verse 7 is a great verse, and it says this, He who is full loathes honey. How many people love honey? I love honey, yeah. yeah. But what this says is, he who is full loathes loathes honey. I was telling the people this morning that um, I was in my office this morning and I went to get my Bible out and there in my bag was a packet of lollies which I had picked up at New World, a little stash. And uh, I didn't even eat any of them. Why? Because I had a big breakfast. I was full. Doesn't matter how nice those lollies are, if you're already full, you won't have any. And it goes on and says, but to the hungry, even what is bitter tastes sweet. So when you're hungry, when you're starving, if you've ever done a three-day or a five-day or a seven-day or a 21-day fast, at the end of that, it doesn't matter if you served wheat fix. <laughs> that will be the most wonderful food. <laughs> that food is great when you're hungry. Uh, 
It won't work to ask God to fill us if we're already full of things. You have a look at Martha when Jesus came to her home. And she was busy doing a whole pile of stuff, running around, whereas Mary was sitting at Jesus' feet. And in that situation, Jesus commented and said, Martha, Mary's chosen the best. You should have been sitting down, just sitting in my presence instead of running around, filling your life with, with everything. And, and that's, that's what we need to have an attitude. And so the question that we could ask ourselves is, how empty are we tonight? Because when you're empty, you develop a hunger for more of God. And that hunger creates a holy dissatisfaction. And it's that holy dissatisfaction that often God uses to summon us into a deeper experience with him. Spiritual hunger is always a prerequisite to receiving more of God. Uh, Jesus said, in the Sermon on the Mount, he said, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they're going to be filled. So if you've got a hunger for the things of God, then stir that hunger up, because God always responds to the cry of the hungry. Another thing that I see that is absolutely Essential is a word which is, is not often understood, and that's repentance. Repentance. Why are you here this afternoon? Uh, you don't want more of me, <laughs> as good as that is. <laughs> you, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you don't want more of me. You're here because you came to meet with God. You're here for more of the Holy Spirit. And repentance is a real key to receiving more from God. Uh, Acts 3.19 says, Repent that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. One of the hallmarks of, a, of Christian maturity is a realization of how sinful we are, Excuse me, how often we miss God's standards of righteousness, how lukewarm we are, and how we need to repent. Most of you know <clears throat> that we are on a journey to become more like Jesus. <clears throat> so if Jesus is at number 10 on the scale, where would you be on the scale? Minus three? <laughs> Minus two? <laughs> Some of you might be a three. Some of you might be a five. Yeah. Well, probably a, a five is what the Bible would describe as being lukewarm. <laughs> Halfway. <laughs> so every one of us here, I would suggest, has got room to grow. Thanks, Isaac. Every one of us has got room to become more like Jesus. Isn't that true? Repentance. John the Baptist said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. Uh, Jesus preached the same when John was put in prison. 
Matthew 4 verse 17. A repentance starts by recognizing that there is an area in our lives that need to be changed. Often it's those things that we've allowed to become more important to Jesus. Uh, repentance acknowledges that we don't have the power to make the changes ourselves. I mean, if my wife can't change me, nobody can. But the Holy Spirit can. The Holy Spirit can. Repentance asks for forgiveness and invites God to move by the power of His Holy Spirit and forgive our sins and empower us to live lives that are glorifying to Him. I said that it's a mark of Christian maturity because the closer you are to God, the more His light shines on us. It's like for those of us here tonight who are used to doing vacuum cleaning around the house. Ladies. Ah, people, sorry. <laughs> Better be PC here. Um, if you're vacuum cleaning and the lights are dull in the room, you'll find that you, you won't, you won't find much, much dust. But then when the lights are turned right up, you'll see a whole pile of things that you've missed. And the reality is, the closer we get to God, the brighter the Holy Spirit shines in our lives. And the brighter the Holy Spirit shines, the more things in our lives that He brings to our attention as being a little bit uh, damaging to us. So actually, as we grow in the things of God, the more and more and more are uh, the things that we discover in our lives that needed to be sorted out with the power of the Holy Spirit. So finding things in your life that need to be corrected is not a sign of immaturity. It's a sign of maturity. It's a sign that you're growing. It's a sign that the Holy Spirit is shining His light on us. And repentance is that act of going one way, seeing the light of the Holy Spirit come on a situation, circumstance, turning from that and going in the opposite direction. It's interesting <clears throat> that if we, the more we are soaking in the presence of the Holy Spirit, the more of His light that He shines on us the more we are soaking in the world, the more the values of the world get imparted to us. And the values of the world are getting worse and worse and worse and worse. When I was at university, there was a, um, there was a song by Simon and Garfunkel called Mrs. Robinson. And uh, many of you will remember that song. Well, here's to you, Mrs. Robinson. I'm not going to sing it to you. <laughs> but uh, that was the theme song for the film The Graduate. And the film The Graduate, when I was at university, was an R18. Okay? So I didn't actually see it. Today, that same film is rated as a PG. So what was an R18 back in the 70s, is a PG 
today. That is how society's moral values have shifted. Slowly but surely, things have changed. So if you soak in the things of the world, you will change, but they'll move you further and further and further away from the things of God. Whereas as you soak in the presence of the Holy Spirit, he moves you closer and closer and closer to Christ. It was interesting uh, seeing Ali and... um, What was your name again? (laughs) Ali and Isaac, worshipping tonight. And I don't know whether you noticed, but um, got to one point and the Holy Spirit just came on Isaac. And he couldn't play. And so he just put down his guitar and I could see the tears coming. You know, that happens when we worship God from our hearts. Uh, Ephesians 5.19 says, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Music and worship is just an incredibly powerful way to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Often I'd go for a walk down in my garden, no one else around, and I'd begin to sing. And for me, I sing songs that bring the presence of God. And while I love all the modern stuff, while I love Hillsong, The song that I sing more than anything else down in my garden is a song that I heard before I even became a Christian. It was a song that I heard when I was a young kid going to a Presbyterian church in New Lynn in Auckland. And the song was, even just thinking about it now, I start to to tear up. But it says, praise my soul the King of heaven, to his feet thy tributes bring, ransomed, healed, restored, forgiven. Who, like thee, his praises bring? And whenever I repeat that, whenever I sing that, the presence of God comes. And I want to encourage you Every one of you, find a song. Find a song for yourself that brings the presence of God. Find a song that you can plug into in the quietness of your bedroom or in the quietness of your garden. I have to sing it by myself because if I was singing it next to anybody else, it would be off-putting to them. And whenever I mention this, I am immediately transported to Hillsong Conference. I'm up in the balcony and I'm worshipping God and my son Peter is standing next to me and I've got my hands up and I'm worshipping him like this and I turn to look at Peter and there he is. He's got one hand up and the other one covering his ear. God hasn't transformed my voice yet. Find a song. Find a song that brings the presence of God into your situation and your circumstances. That's why I encourage people to come early to church. Because when you come early, you tend to sit and you can prepare your heart to worship. 
You can prepare your heart to move into the presence of God. And that's a great thing. Prayer and fasting invites the Holy Spirit to draw near to us. The, the Holy Spirit was definitely the key in Jesus' ministry. Uh, in Matthew three sixteen, when he was baptized, it says that when he came out of the water, the heavens opened and he saw the Spirit of God descending on him like a dove, alighting on him. Before that time, it's not recorded that Jesus healed any sick or cast out any demons. No miracles are recorded. But the power of Jesus was the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Acts 10.38 says, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with them. Jesus' ministry was the ministry of the power of the Holy Spirit. And we are encouraged the same way. Jude 1.20, but you, beloved, build yourself up on your most faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. If, if you haven't been praying in the Holy Spirit, you need to pray in the Holy Spirit. Why? Because there's some things that the Holy Spirit needs to pray through you that you can't grasp for yourself. And some of you might be thinking, well, if I pray in tongues, then... Often I don't know what I'm saying. Well, that's okay. The Holy Spirit knows what he's saying. We need to recognize that. It's a bit like the other day, two weeks ago, quarter to four in the morning, I am sound asleep in bed, and all of a sudden I hear... I'm sitting up in bed thinking, what is going on? I did what any red-blooded husband would do. I picked up a pillar and I hit Penny with it. Well, that woke her up. I said, what was going on? It's quarter to four in the morning. All I heard was this. But she, now fully awake, says, oh. I'll give you the interpretation. She said, we were standing outside and I saw something down in the bushes. So being a gentle person, she cried out, get the gun! Anyway, she thought it was an animal, but it wasn't. And uh, it turned out to be a girl with a backpack on full of our kiwi fruit, according to Penny. Now, we haven't got any kiwi fruit, by the way. All right, but this is, this is Penny. And so she, she, she swore at this girl. She said, scumbag! She knew exactly what she was saying. All I heard was, the Holy Spirit knows exactly what he was saying. In fact, he says, in the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. The Spirit knows what he wants to pray through you. 
You don't have to have the interpretation. You just need to let the Holy Spirit pray. The Holy Spirit knows what he's saying. He knows what he's addressing. But we need to give him opportunity to pray. When we pray and when we fast, we don't just do it to get answers. But we pray and fast because we want to get closer to God. And every time I've initiated a fast in my life, God has responded to that fast with his presence. And he'll do the same for you. If he sees you meaning business, he will mean business with you. In fact, doesn't the Bible say if you draw near to God, he will draw near to you? When God sees that you are serious, he'll be serious with you. Prayer and fasting always draws the presence of God. And uh, finally, as the um, musicians come, you know, when we use our gifts to serve others, God pours his Holy Spirit out on us and fills us. Interesting. Proverbs 11.25 says, A generous man will prosper. He who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. And I, I think of the body of Christ very much like a Beautiful stained glass window. When the sun shines through that window, it's white light on the other side shining through. But what do we see? We see red and green and yellow and blue and brown. We see all these beautiful hues which are the filters of the stained glass window as the light shines through it. Turn to the person next to you, look them in the eye and say, you are different. Every one of us are different. Every one of us reflect the light of the Holy Spirit in a different way. But it's only when red and orange and yellow and green and blue and indigo and violet are all combined that you get the white light. It's only when we all come together, all using the gifts that God has given us, that we really, really, really reflect Him in an amazing way. And I want to encourage you this evening to use the gifts that God's given you. In this morning service, I asked a couple in our church uh, who had been to Israel. Anyone here been to Israel, by the way? Okay. If you've been to Israel, you've no doubt gone and been down to the to the Dead Sea. Have you stepped into it and floated in the Dead Sea? Do you know the river that comes into the Dead Sea? The Jordan. The Jordan is a beautiful river. It's full of life. The Dead Sea, as it is named, has no life in it. It has a huge concentration of minerals to the point that you can just float 
in the Dead Sea. The reason it is like that is because as the life-giving Jordan River flows into the Dead Sea, the Dead Sea is at such a low area, it's the lowest sea on earth. There's no outlet. And because there's no outlet, everything that comes into it just gets more and more and more and more concentrated. And that's a bit like a church that continues to ask for more of God, more of God, more of God, more of God, without giving out, giving out, giving out. You just stagnate. And what originally brought life will actually produce death. So we need to use the gifts that God gives us. We need to be participators, not spectators. We need to be contributors, not consumers. All doing our part, not just to make church happen, but to see God's kingdom come and His will done. So if you are committing yourselves to this, this service, see if you can serve sometime. See if you can just be an usher, welcoming people on the on the door or helping us out on the info desk or whatever commit yourself to giving out a little bit and see what God will do if we're going to reach our city if we're going to touch our world it's going to take all of us relying on the Holy Spirit using the gifts that he's given us to do that and Jesus himself said out of our innermost being will come rivers of living water talking about the Holy Spirit that's what's supposed to happen the Holy Spirit is supposed to come to us the Holy Spirit is supposed to dwell in us and the Holy Spirit is supposed to overflow us so that it's like a river of living water flowing out from us touching our neighbors and our workmates and those people around about us so that they can experience the life-giving love of God in the same way that we've experienced it. Amen? So the key to successful Christian living is understanding that it's not by might nor by power, but it's by the Spirit. So I want to encourage you this week, get alone with God invite the Holy Spirit to come afresh in your situation and let's see what he'll do Amen